From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Wednesday, March 29. Australia's biggest population surge ever is just around the corner. New data suggests the boom will eclipse the big Australia era of 2008 and 2009, with an additional 650,000 migrants expected to make their homes in Australia over the next couple of financial years. Returning international students and working holidaymakers are expected to boost spending and ease pressure on the stretched services sector, but could spell trouble for the nation's already struggling rental market. This isn't what we signed up for. That's what the union movement has to say about the government's nuclear submarine plan. ACTU boss Michelle O'Neill told the National Press Club the union's support of a nuclear-free defence policy predates the government's AUKUS plan by decades. These are not positions that have been developed in the last weeks or months. They're decades long, and our position hasn't changed. She added that they've requested more detail on the recently unveiled plan so they can discuss the implications for the union movement in what's sure to be a blow for the Albanese government. It's the obscurely named centrepiece of Labor's climate policy. As the safeguard mechanism passes into law, we're taking a closer look at what it means for the government, the environment and Aussie households in today's episode. After weeks of will-they-won't-they, Labor finally secured the Greens' support on its signature climate policy on Monday. After weeks of wrangling over the government's climate safeguards mechanism, the deal is done. The move represented something of a back-down from Greens leader Adam Bant. He spent a good chunk of the last few months insisting the Greens wouldn't back the so-called safeguard mechanism unless Labor agreed to ban all new coal and gas projects. But Climate Change and Energy Minister Chris Bowen, dubbed the Greens Whisperer by the Australian's Jeff Chambers, managed to secure the Greens' support without making that promise. What the Greens did get is a hard cap on emissions by big polluters. So whereas cap and trade systems often allow polluters to buy offsets like forestry or other carbon-reducing schemes, the government has agreed that won't be included in this scheme. That cap will decline over time, and the Greens are already spinning it as a win. This is a big hit on coal and gas that has been delivered by the Greens. Now, we have stopped about half of those 116 new projects going ahead because they just won't be able to fit in to the hard pollution cap. They say it's now a much stronger tool in the fight against global warming, thanks to their amendments. Well, we've worked hard to make sure that this uh, piece of legislation, this package, uh, can be strengthened. The main thing is that pollution will now go down and not up, and that's fundamentally important here. But is it really? Well, there's certainly a lot of politics in it, but uh, the Greens are probably right to say that they have achieved something here. Having what they call a hard cap uh, really constrains the way uh, the government can move going forward. Graham Lloyd is The Australian's environment editor. The government can say it doesn't have to act on the cap, but the truth is it will be actionable in the courts and uh, if the government were to not abide by it, it would cause lengthy delays and uh, a lot of headaches. And would Labor say it was worth the trouble? For Labor, they're able to say that they have introduced a cap-and-trade 
system to deal with climate change. How effective it will be remains to be seen. But it's been a long time since there has been a uh, legislative process in place to deal with this issue. Labor promised it. They've had to work hard to achieve it. And now they can say uh, that that's done. And that's why after a wasted decade today is indeed a good day. It's a good day for our environment, but a good day for our economy as well. A win for every Australian who voted for real action on climate change. The fact is that we... Of course, having it implemented is one thing. Getting it to work is something completely different. With the safeguard mechanism finally on the path to legislation, PM Anthony Albanese is presented with a unique political problem. Acknowledge the Greens' support without letting them take credit for the policy they've been dragging out. I think it does matter uh, politically. There were criticisms at the time of the election that this would be a Labor government-Greens coalition, if you like. The Greens have been keen to give that impression Certainly through these negotiations, they've highlighted their role as the balance of power in the Senate. And uh, to an extent, the government's been forced to deal and the Greens can claim something of a victory. But all of that aside, the safeguard mechanism is supposed to be about more than political point scoring. The obscurely named policy is a key part of the government's ability to achieve its 43% emissions reduction target by 2030. The actual mechanism is a requirement that the 215 biggest polluters in the country cut their emissions by nearly 5% every year between now and the end of the decade. And, provided that actually happens, it could have a huge impact on the health of our planet. Certainly, Australia is responsible for a very small part of global emissions, and this is a global problem. So you wouldn't expect to see uh, that these specific actions will result in lower temperatures or or less storms or anything like that. But certainly it will encourage people to act in a way that preserves nature, to be more mindful in the way that they go about their business. So on balance, that would be a good thing. Stay with us. After the break, what the safeguard mechanism means for Aussie households and how Labor charts a course to July 1. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. Mr Speaker, it's important as the world decarbonises that Australia gets its share of the economic action. It was not happening before May last year. Business as usual would see emissions go up and economic opportunities lost. Well, business as usual is not acceptable to this government. 
We will work with the business community to see emissions down and jobs up, and that's exactly what we are doing. One sector that's not looking forward to the safeguard mechanism's July 1 debut is the oil and gas industry. Representatives from providers like Woodside, Shell and Santos say the legislation will ultimately make Labor's climate targets harder to meet. Certainly this is a question that deserves to be thought about because the argument from the gas industry is that gas is going to be needed for many, many years to come to really underwrite the transition to a lower emissions future. With uh, wind and solar, there's a need for power on demand to back them up and gas is seen uh, as the best way that that can be done. We're seeing warnings from the energy authorities that gas supplies, particularly for the East Coast, are very tight and there needs to be more supply. If they're not there, the transition becomes much, much more difficult. They also say it'll push up power prices and put pressure on our already stretched domestic gas supplies. I think that's probably the certainty that energy costs are getting higher as supplies uh, become more constrained. It's going to be a, a rocky road and certainly everything points to things going up. The PM has said he's confident the introduction of the safeguard mechanism won't send our power bills through the roof or create a shortfall in the domestic electricity market. Won't this force up power prices? No. No, in a word. But the reality isn't so clear-cut. Anything that involves disruptions to the energy market has big economic consequences. And the thing with the safeguards revisions is that it probably introduces a lot more complexity and uh, delays in planning for uh, any of those projects. Delays and the prospect of legal action are uh, the antithesis of uh, what business needs. So you'll see people being much more careful about how they uh, allocate their capital and how they make plans. This really will result in inflation and higher costs for everybody as the process becomes more complex. But just what should we expect come July 1? I think there's a great deal of community support to reduce carbon dioxide emissions, but there's also a demand that the cost of doing that not be extraordinarily high. So uh, households really need to watch their energy bills and uh, hope that the government manages the transition properly so that they can be stabilised at least. So despite securing the crucial support it needs to legislate on the safeguard mechanism, Labor has a ways to go on its signature climate policy. It's navigating the political fallout, growing industry fear and resistance and a skyrocketing cost of living. Well, it's a big headache for whoever has to do it. I think that that's the truth. And the business groups have been pretty supportive of what the government has done, really on the basis that there's a deal of compensation that's provided for their costs of making the transition. So if you like, you can divide the the winners and losers from what's happened here. I think industry is happy that there's more compensation on the table and there's the potential for a trade import system to limit competition from other places. On the other side, the fossil fuel industry is the target of it and uh, the barriers are being put in place to stop them. The government has to really go about uh, doing what it said it's going to do 
and find the best way to uh, achieve that. And really, uh, it needs to stay away from ideology and sort of focus more on practicality. Graham Lloyd is The Australian's Environment Editor. You can read his ongoing coverage and analysis of the safeguard mechanism right now at theaustralian.com.au. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.